Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. Good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? I, uh, if, if you've noticed already, my voice is, is starting to uh, get a little week we had our transform youth christmas party last night and i was sick earlier in the week so um we've been praying all morning that my voice holds out throughout the rest of the sermon so if you could pray for me during the sermon that would be great as well um my my sermon today is is titled the surprising or shocking joy of jesus's birth uh you know there are things in in the story of jesus's birth that are quite shocking uh, but there is also many things that are sweet and comforting, too. It's kind of like the candy sweet tarts. How many of you guys like sweet tarts? And you, do you like them because they're sweet? Uh, raise your hand if you like them because they're sweet. How about if they're sa- because they're sour? How many of you just <laughs> raise your hand on both? But yeah, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so uh, my message today is a little bit like that, you know. Um, there is a sweetness and joy we have in hearing about Jesus' birth. But there are also surprising and, and again, even shocking realities that are important for us to understand the story fully. So, a matter of perspective. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever tried this before, but how many of you have ever taken a photograph and held it right to your forehead? <laughs> Just say, yeah, Tim, every day, great. <laughs> um, if you've ever tried that, or, or if you want to try it, <coughs> excuse me, as you look at it from close, everything's pretty much a blur. You can't see anything. The, the colors kind of mix together. You can sort of see some colors, but it's, it's really hard to see. But as you pull that photo away from your face, it all comes into perspective. It all becomes a lot clearer. We perceive events in our lives a lot of times in the same way. As time passes and, uh, and the event is further away from, from that present, your understanding of the experience becomes clear. Perspective can be limited when you're too close to an event. So all you see is a blur. We are fortunate to be in this time of life that we are um, because we have all of Scripture and the, the perspectives of centuries of people and commentaries or commentators that have considered the birth of Jesus. In my opinion, the, the picture of Jesus being the King of Kings and the long-awaited Messiah is clearer than it ever has been. So let's go ahead and we're going to read today's passage in Matthew 1, 18 through 25. says this, Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, Son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, 
for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not, until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So as we get into this passage, I want you to, to also encourage you this week to take some time from the busyness of life. I know we probably are all thinking about all the things that we have to accomplish this week, but take some time to stop and reflect on, on Christmas and who Jesus is. So this morning, we're going to reflect on three things. We're going to reflect on who Jesus is. We're going to reflect on why Jesus came. And we're going to reflect on the name of Jesus. Okay, so let's first of all reflect on who Jesus is. <clears throat> As Joe talked about the last several weeks, um, Matthew is bridging the Old Testament with the New. Matthew does not give us a detailed description of Jesus' birth. But there are words that he uses in these descriptions that draw us to the fact that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah or King that has come to save us. Just like the blurry photograph we talked about earlier, he's bringing this blurry picture of the Messiah into focus. Okay? Verse 18, Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. <clears throat> now betrothal, betrothal during this time was not like engagements that we have nowadays. It was much more serious and binding, uh, and it took place before witnesses. We can see this even in these scriptures, because even in verse 19, uh, <clears throat> Matthew uses, or he talks about um, Joseph is Mary's husband. And then in verse 20, he actually uses the word wife uh, regarding Mary. So even, the, even though the marriage wasn't finalized, they were legally husband and wife. After a ceremony of betrothal, there was there was usually an interval of time that took place before husbands and wives began to actually live together under the same roof. Um, so again, they weren't necessarily considered fully married, although they were very much legally married, okay? So can you imagine uh, Joseph figuring out that, that Mary was, is pregnant for the first time? It would have been incredibly surprising. It would have been shocking. It would have been very, very confusing. When Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant, he would have probably been devastated. And I can imagine the thoughts and questions that began to run through his mind. Is this really happening? How can this be? What do I do now? I'm sure that even some of you here in this room this morning can relate to questions like this. <clears throat> Many of you have been, have been through experiences 
that you have received news of something completely unexpected. It can be overwhelming and your mind begins to race and sometimes a sense of grief and fear of loss begins to set in. This is, I'm sure, how Joseph was feeling. Joseph began to think about what he was going to do. The fact that Joseph planned to divorce her quietly tells us that he likely maybe didn't believe her story at first. And being a man of, of principle, decided to make the decision to pursue a divorce. But he was torn, though, because he loved Mary. And according to Jewish custom, uh, <clears throat> this was considered, <clears throat> excuse me, this was considered adultery and could even lead to Mary losing her life. But Joseph continued to care for her and consider her and everything. And then we come across a word that we've talked about many times in, the, in this sanctuary and in other messages before. We come across the word but. But if you remember, we just talked about this in our Ephesians series, uh, in Ephesians 2.4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us. The word but flips things around. It changes the circumstances before it. It can turn grief and sorrow into joy. Ephesians 2 tells us that God loves us so much that he made a way to show us mercy so that we could overcome sin and death. Joseph and Mary were very much a part of that same story, that plan to bring salvation. Unknown to Joseph, these were not just ordinary circumstances. God was planning to use them for something greater. Verse 20, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. When things look desperate to Joseph at a plan, here in verse 20, uh, Joseph receives a shocking surprise. Again, an angel appears to him in a dream and gives him directions from God. Notice the angel also calls Joseph a son of David, right? This links Joseph to Jesus, or and Jesus, to the lineage of David that prophets declared that the Messiah would be born into. Okay, we can read this in Jeremiah 23, 5. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. And he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. This is evidence that Jesus was an everlasting king predicted from the lineage of David. <clears throat> we're, gonna, we're gonna have a bunch of different verses that, that will show you uh, or talk about Jesus' verse. Uh, talk about Jesus' birth, sorry. <clears throat> 
Verse 20 tells Joseph this, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. In these words we see Joseph gets another surprise, right? The fact that the angel tells him not to fear reveals that this would have been a frightening experience, I'm sure. Uh, Again, surprising, shocking, whatever words you want to use. Um, For Joseph to be in this presence of an angel, first of all. But also, this angel confirmed that Mary was not unfaithful. And that what she told Joseph was true. You have to understand this is something new to history. How hard would this have been for Joseph to wrap his mind around, just like it is really for us today as well? But the angel confirms that this was a miracle from God. She had not been been unfaithful because the baby truly was from the, the Holy Spirit. So how shocking at the same time, how much relief and joy that Joseph must have felt at this news. This was God completely changing Joseph's circumstances. This news has incredible significance, not just a biblical prophecy, but for all of us here today. The commentator William Hendrickson states it in this way. He says this, if Christ, son of Joseph and Mary, by ordinary generation, would he not have been a human person and as such a sharer in Adam's guilt? Hence, a sinner unable to save himself. Hence also, unable to rescue others from sin. In order to save us, the Redeemer must in one person be both God and man, sinless man. The doctrine of the virgin birth satisfies both of these requirements. It reveals to us Jesus Christ, one divine person, in two natures, A, divine, and B, sinless human. These miracles begin to paint a picture that Jesus is the Messiah. It takes faith to believe that a child is from the Holy Spirit. Human wisdom says that this is impossible and and it's hard to comprehend this reality. But because Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit, it satisfies these requirements that are needed to save people from their sins. Which brings us to our next verse, verse 21. And as we look at this verse, we want us, I want you to, to reflect. Again, this is the second reflection that I want you to think about. is To reflect on why Jesus came. Or to reflect on why he came. Verse 21, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. The angel's announcement in this verse is pointing to the awaited Messiah and that Jesus will not just be a king, but that he will save them from their sins as his name implies and says. John Piper has a book out that's called it's an Advent book called uh, Good News of Great Joy. In this, it has a really neat statement that I love. It says, meditate on the fact that we need a Savior. 
Christmas is an indictment before it becomes a delight. In Luke, two, uh, sec, uh, in Luke chapter 2, verse 11, it says this, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. If you don't need a Savior, you don't need Christmas. Christmas will not have its intended effect until we feel desperately the need for a Savior. In order to understand this more fully, I'd like to take a, a, a second on, we're going to back away from Christmas in order to look around from a little bit of a wider perspective, okay? Genesis 2.17, the Bible tells us that God warned Adam and Eve about eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It says this, But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you will surely die. We know that Adam and Eve sinned by disobeying God's command, and sin entered the world, thereby separating us <clears throat> from God. Romans 6.23 reminds us as well that the wages of sin are death, is death. Because of this, God needed a plan and to provide a way to defeat death and restore our relationship with him. But even before the creation of the world and before man sinned, God had a plan. John 1, <clears throat> 1 through 2 tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So very, right from the beginning of time, he was there. And then John 1 goes on to say in verse 14, he says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the Word, or Jesus, was there from the very beginning of time. God had a plan to send Jesus into this, into this flesh and become human in order to be our Savior. He knew we could not save ourselves on our own. And he provided a way for us to be saved from our sin. He sent his son Jesus to live a perfect, sinless life and to die a criminal's death in order to pay for our sins. <clears throat> Romans 5, 18 through 19 says this, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Because of our sin, we need a Savior. Joe mentioned last week that Jesus' name means the Lord is salvation. God wants us to know our need for a Savior. Jesus came to save people from their sin, just as his name means. And saved means that we are shown mercy or that we are not held accountable for the punishment of sin that we deserve. Jesus' death on the cross is a substitutionary death, meaning that he died in our place and took the punishment that we deserved. Okay. I realize 
that I'm talking to, to mostly Christians here. And this may seem really kind of one of the basic truths of our faith. We're very familiar with these truths. But this is an amazing truth. It's a surprising truth. And I want us to remember that. God was willing to allow his only son to die that I may live. For those of you who are Christians, remember back to the first time that you understood this truth. The surprising news likely brought gratitude and an indescribable joy that someone loved you so much. If you are here this morning or if you're watching online and you do not have this relationship with Jesus, I would encourage you to talk to somebody this morning about that and ask them what this love of God is really about and the peace that it will bring to your life when you put your trust in him. Jesus wants to save us. He wants us to know him. This is part of the reason that he raised prophets to declare that he was coming, okay? I've mentioned before that there are many predictions about Jesus and, and his coming. And there are predictions about his birth as well. Let's look at a couple of those. Micah 5.2. Again, remember that these were written long before Jesus ever came to this earth. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, you are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Isaiah 9, 6 says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. These prophecies and many others, again, were declared long before Jesus ever came to earth, ever walked on this planet. God wanted to be obvious when Jesus came that he was the promised Messiah and that he was coming to save us. It's impossible for so many scriptures to point to one person if there wasn't a plan in the very beginning. Our next two verses of Matthew, verses 21 and 22, are the perfect example of this, okay? They're actually quoting Isaiah 7, 14, it's, and they say this, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. In verse 23, Matthew is identifying Jesus as the Messiah, and he's stating that Jesus is the fulfillment of an Old, prophecy, Old Testament prophecy in Isaiah 7:14. Let me just read you that, that uh, scripture to you one time as well. It's pretty much the same. But therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. 
These, these verses help us to understand that there was a plan to begin with. These miracles took place so that we may know that Jesus is the Messiah, the King of Kings. One of the things that we consider, again, that we considered earlier too, is this virgin birth. I don't think that we often consider the implications of what the virgin birth brings about. As I mentioned earlier, it's hard to understand. This was even difficult for Mary to understand. In, in Luke, if we, if we skip over to the book of Luke, we look at Luke 1, 34. She says this, how will this be? It's completely unnatural and can only be explained by miracles. But then listen to what the angel says to Mary in Luke 1.37, it says this, For nothing, for nothing will be impossible with God. This is an amazing statement of hope and comfort that should bring joy to every single one of us. Nothing is impossible with God. Your circumstances don't have to define the way you live your life, because we have a hope that only comes through a relationship with Jesus. It is a hope that looks beyond the circumstance of this life. Jason mentioned it. We're looking forward to Jesus' return. We, we trust in a promised future of being in the presence of the King of Kings. It's an incredible witness to the world when the children of God, when we as Christians live our lives with this hope in our Savior. <clears throat> I've seen this hope lived out in many of you here this morning, despite some of the circumstances that you have been through. Recently, I've also had this lived out or seen this lived out and an example of my parents. This fall, my mom was diagnosed with two different types of cancer. Within a couple of months, my dad had some knee pain and discovered an infection from an old knee replacement that has currently left him without a knee and cannot put any weight on his left leg. Both of them continue to have joy in their lives. Spending time with the Lord with each other, with their family, and with their friends. Despite the shocking change of events in their lives that these last few months have brought, they continue to have peace and have joy in knowing that God loves and cares for them in the midst of their suffering and also know that God will continue to provide and care for them. We have a father that not only came to save us, but he came to be with us. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. God with us gives us tremendous comfort and hope in knowing that he came to be with us and does not allow us to walk this life alone. 
He has given us his Holy Spirit that guides and directs us. It helps us when we are weak and can heal our brokenness. What joy we have in knowing Jesus. One of the ways we begin to understand that God is with us is by reflecting on his name. And so my last thought for you today is to reflect on the name of Jesus. When Joseph woke from sleep, verse 24, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Last night, I asked the, the youth at the Transformed Christmas party to um, basically give me the different names that they call their grandparents. And obviously, you had grandma and grandpa, you had Grams, Gramps, um, Pop Pop, Papa, na- Nana, all these different names. And they, they still describe their grandparents, the, this, these individuals. Jesus as well has many different names that are ascribed to him. And we see these throughout many different scriptures. I'm going to just go through a list of these so that you can see God's, uh, and as we go through these, I want you to think, some of these are about God's character. Some of these he described himself as, but these all give us a picture. Again, it makes that, that photo clearer as to who God really is. He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, the ancient of days. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the anointed one, the Messiah. He is our prophet, priest, and king. He is the only wise God, He is our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. He is the Lord, the almighty. He is the door of the sheep, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd. He is the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. He is the logos, the light, the light of the world, the light of life, the tree of life, the word of life, the bread that came down from heaven, the spring, which if a person drink of it, he will never thirst again. He is the way and the truth and the life. He is the resurrection and the life. He is our rock, our bridegroom, our beloved, and our redeemer. He is the head over all things, which is the body, the church. He is God with us, Emmanuel, and our Savior. These are all things that Jesus is to us when we put our faith and trust in him. What joy we have in knowing that Jesus came to save us as our Savior But how surprising it is that he becomes so much more as these names reflect. What God did for us 
should be shockingly overwhelming. I hope that you will take some time this week from your busyness to reflect this week on why Jesus came to earth and all that he has done for us. At this point, I'm going to ask the, the uh, worship team to, to come on back up. And I, I want to share one closing thought with you. My prayer for you as we close today is that Jesus will continue to surprise you in all of life's circumstances and will bring you much joy as you live your life out for him. We talked at the beginning of the message about gaining perspective by pulling a photo away from your face. I want to give you another example of perspective. Uh, many of you know that I was a youth director at, at Grace Church for a while, and while I was while I was there, our church went on a mission trip to New York City. As a part of that, um, as a part of that mission trip, I was in charge of driving a 15-passenger van with, with passengers through the streets of New York City so that we could get to our different, different destinations that we are working at. I don't know if you've ever driven in New York City, but it can be a nightmare. <laughs> You're driving along, and, and a lot of times it feels like as if if you move an inch to your left or an inch to your right, your life is about to the end. There's, there's chaos. There's, there's people honking. There's people cutting in front of you and things like that. And it is, it is scary going through all that chaos that you're experiencing on the streets of New York. But also a part of that trip we also went to the top of the Eiffel, or not the Eiffel Tower, the, the um, what's the Empire State Building. Thank you. I should look at my notes. We also went to the top of the Empire State Building. And when you go to the top of the Empire State Building, as you're looking down at the streets, it's kind of interesting because the perspective changes. You actually see cars moving they almost seem like they're in an organized fashion. They're stopping at lights. There's, you know, you can see a little bit of a, a, a flow to it. You can't hear the noise. You can't hear the screaming. You can't hear the di different things around you. It actually seemed somewhat organized and following patterns. It reminds me of when our lives seem chaotic and out of control, we need to remember that God sees it from a different perspective and a higher perspective than what we feel at the moment. I hope that this Christmas season, your need for a Savior and a relationship with Jesus will become clearer and clearer as the days go by. I encourage you to take some time to reflect on Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your perspective. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for sending your son as a child to be born to save us, Lord. Lord, I pray that we would learn our need for a Savior, that it would become clearer and clearer. And Lord, if there's anybody that does not know you as their Savior here this morning, 
I pray that they would call out to you even this morning. So Father, we give you thanks. We thank you for sending your son and help us to reflect in the busyness of this season on who you are and all that you are to each and every one of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.